Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast, and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty livecast. I'm Mark Cowart sitting in for Andrew Womack tonight. And we have an incredibly powerful program for you. A very dear friend of mine, Vaughn Baker, who is the president and founder of Stratagos International. And uh, they specialize in church security and different things like that. And we're going to give him a more proper introduction in just a minute. But uh, I want to say, Richard, how good it is to be with you. Always great to be with you. Yeah, and uh, our good friend Vaughn. Vaughn, thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, Excited we, to be here. We, we've had a powerful weekend starting with ministry at CFAN on Sunday morning and taping all day today. But uh, before we get into it, Richard, you've got some stuff to share with us. So you yeah, want to do that now? Sure thing. Well, it is, it's great to have you with us, Vaughn. I'm excited about what everybody's going to learn tonight. I think it's going to be a great show. And for those of you who are uh, watching on our website, uh, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for doing that. Those of you who are, are, are not, um, be sure to jump over to our website. Uh, YouTube has suspended us again, so we must be doing something right. Uh, so. Um, be sure to watch directly on our website and you'll have the best viewing experience because no one's going to censor us there. Uh, I wanted to mention on our website the resources page. We're always updating that with new information and the latest information to help you stand for truth in the public square. Uh, just to mention a couple of things. Um, here's one. Uh, millions of women underwent are unaware of adoption process and benefits. Here's something that all churches can help out with by informing people about adoption. Uh, there is no reason why why any baby in America ever needs to be aborted. And uh, also, um, here's one, 10 Lies of Socialism Exposed, another great resource. So check out our resources page. Uh, and then also we've got some great events coming up here at Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College. Just finished up the annual Summer Family Bible Conference, and it was a powerful time. There were miracles and healings taking place and all kinds of stuff going on. It was awesome. Uh, the next thing we've got is the Healing Is Here Conference in August, and that's August 9th through the 12th. Healing Is Here. Uh, Andrew will be ministering along with uh, several other powerful ministers and uh, it's going to be a great time. After that, the Truth and Liberty Conference, September 8th, 9th, and 10th, just before the 9-11 Remembrance. And we're going to have a special drama commemorating 9-11, as well as uh, the, the dramatic and musical commemoration of the Star-Spangled Banner. We're going to have powerful uh, speakers, including uh, Mario Murillo, um, uh, E.W. Jackson, David Barton, Bill Federer, um, and, and many others, Pastor Rob McCoy, 
boy, uh, I can't even name them all. There's going to be so many. It is a conference you will not want to miss. The theme this year is From Vision to Victory. So register today for that on truthandliberty.net. And then last, I wanted to minister, men, mention the Minister's Conference. There's too many M's in that. Uh, October uh, 3rd through the 7th. If you're a minister, you need to make it out for that event. Get recharged, get refired, get uh, strengthened and supported by those who know what you're going through. It's always a great time. It's been going on here at AWM for 40 years. You won't want to miss. Um, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, I really encourage you to subscribe today. Just go to the upper right-hand corner of our website at truthandliberty.net and share your email address with us. Click subscribe, share your email address, and we'll put your name in the hopper to receive a free gift. Last week, we gave away a copy of Andrew's book, How to Find, Follow, and Fulfill God's Will. And I want to congratulate uh, Donald Mitchell. You're the winner of that. Thanks for watching, Donald, and uh, you should be getting an email with instructions on how to claim that gift. This week, we're giving away Andrew's book, Lessons from David, How to Be a Giant Killer. I just want to tell you guys, this is an awesome book. There's revelation in here that, uh, I don't know, only Andrew can deliver. It's, po it's absolutely awesome. So be sure to become a subscriber today, and we'll uh, put your name on the list to receive, uh, be eligible to receive that. Uh, and then also, if you are not a member of Truth and Liberty, would you prayerfully consider becoming a member today? Uh, it, your donations help us to do what we're doing here at Truth and Liberty, and I believe we are making a difference as we're equipping believers to stand for truth in the public square. Just go on our website to the donate page and there sign up to make a recurring contribution, automatic gift of $5 or more per month. And when you do, we'll send you a free gift in the mail, which is this uh, copy of the Declaration of Independence of the United States, the Constitution of the United States, and Andrew's own Declaration of Dependence upon the uh, God and His Holy Bible. And uh, we'll give that important resource to you today. So thank you guys. Just keep in mind that your gifts are not tax deductible to Truth and Liberty because we're a 501c4, not a 501c3. That allows us to endorse and oppose candidates where we choose to do so and uh, gives us a lot more flexibility. So thank you guys. You're making a difference. With that, I'm going to kick it back to you, Pastor Mark, and uh, we'll get started. Awesome. A lot of great things going on. Amen. And tonight, so tonight we have a very special guest, a very dear friend, Vaughn Baker. And Vaughn has a company that he founded and is the president of Stratagos International. He's one of the few businessmen, Richard, that when I ask him how business is, he says, unfortunately, it's exploding uh, because of the outbreaks of violence and things like that. So here's what we like to do. You know, we've got a whole page of things I could read on you, Vaughn. This is the only thing I want to read about you. And then I want you to share with us how you got started in this. But um, Stratagos International, since 2002, has trained, consulted, and protected over 250,000 corporate, government, school, faith-based, law enforcement, and military professionals in over 15 countries globally. You provide everything from executive protection to security for crowds of a half a million that you've done. But tell us how you got started in this. Uh, well, as far as church security is concerned, I had a dear friend of mine from North Car Carolina back in 06, and he started sending me articles every time something uh, tragic incident would occur at, at churches and said, you really need to put a training course together for churches. And, uh, you know, I shortchanged God's vision as usual and uh, developed a one eight-hour course on how to do a safety and security plan for churches, put together a security ministry. I'd already been serving on a security ministry for several years. And... Uh, Within a year and a half, the need was so great that that turned into eight different courses, not only for leadership personnel, 
but for ushers, greeters, deacons, elders, church security personnel. So it's really expanded, and uh, God's really done some awesome stuff with it. Well, and one of the things that, <clears throat> backing up just a little bit, uh, Vaughn, we had you on Sunday morning at Church for All Nations. So basically, I interviewed you, and I want to say that I was shocked at how engaged the congregation was. Uh, we were looking out over the congregation and people were leaning in, leaning forward. After each service, you had a line of people. And what was interesting is that, unbeknownst to us, the executive director of the uh, pregnancy center up in Longmont that was just firebombed was in that service. She had come down to go to Mario Murillo. She's listening. So we both got to speak to her and she showed us the video of the clinic. Tragic. And it's completely gutted, firebombed. Uh, they are completely shut down. The insurance company is going through the process. And then they were further threatened. Uh, the people, they said, well, we're going to rebuild. And they said, we'll be back. And uh, But one of the things I want to cover is what the definition of a protector is, because a lot of the, the viewing audience, they may be saying, well, you're talking about church security and things like that. What is a protector? What's the definition? Well, you, when you think of that word protector, you think of the professional protectors. And we think of fire, EMS, military, and law enforcement folks. But when you th if you define the word protector, it's somebody who's responsible for the care of another person. And when you are responsible for the care of, the, of another person, that means you need to prepare in advance and you should be biblically obligated to prepare. According to, we base our programs on Matthew 10, 16. You know, Matthew says, Behold, I send you out as sheep amongst wolves, therefore be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So the wolves, obviously, are those that are there to commit evil, and the sheep are those that cannot protect themselves. So our job as shepherds, and some people like to call themselves sheepdogs, uh, our job as shepherds and sheepdogs is to protect those that cannot protect themselves. So really that's going to pertain to a mother over her child, a grandparent that may be raising their grandchildren, parents, a father, or something Sunday like that. Sunday school teacher. Yeah, Sunday sure. school teacher. And the stories you have are staggering to me, but I have a quote here, and I think most of us have heard it. But it says, remember when seconds count, the police are only minutes away. So when we think of first responders, you always think of professionals. Mm -hmm. But really, the mom, the dad, the grandparent, the Sunday school teacher may in fact be the first responder. And I know you just, your phone, every time there's a national tragedy, your phone literally blows up. And I think the Uvalde shooting, you've blown up again. And every time I talk to you, you just bought another building, a bigger building, you had your other building, you've already outgrown that. And as you say, unfortunately, your company is exploding. But um, what are some of the things that people can do? Because I want to get us away that the from the, the thought that the first responders are the people you call 911. What can an ordinary, average, everyday citizen do to be an effective protector? Well, what you're talking about there is what we refer, refer to as the true first responder. And those are defined as the people that are on scene when the crisis begins. Their proper or improper response is more likely what's going to determine success versus failure. So what they can do is they can educate themselves on, I mean, we, we say all the time, bad acts are preceded by bad behavior. And so there's opportunities to intervene before the act begins if we know what to look for. So we educate those folks on what suspicious activity looks like. And then once they see that, how they should respond to that in a way that amplifies the core mission of the ministry. 
So one of the things you said on this trip that was worth the whole trip is normalcy bias or what is sometimes called normality bias. What is that? Normalcy bias is a phenomenon that gets people hurt in every single incident of mass violence, hurt or killed. And it happens in all types of crisis, but we focus on the incident of mass violence, the active shooter event. Normalcy bias is you and I are biased to the normal that takes place every, every day. In fact, so much so that we expect the normal to occur every day. When the abnormal occurs or when the crisis occurs, what tends to happen though as a result if you absent training is you either ignore the crisis and you, or you rationalize it away, you come up with a substitute reality of something you can accept that isn't the crisis. Unfortunately, a crisis that we don't accept is not something we can effectively respond to. So uh, just by us talking about it tonight will allow people to overcome this idea of normalcy bias. Just to give you a few examples, uh, especially in a church, uh, Wedgwood Baptist Church, 1999, we had a mass attack in a mega church in Fort Worth, Texas. What ended up happening is we had a celebration service with 700 youth present on a Wednesday night, and a deranged gunman came into the foyer and began to shoot. We had two youth that were uh, sitting over on a bench in the foyer that were killed instantly. We had a male staff member down a hallway that saw the first two homicides take place. He looked at the lady standing next to him. He said, lady, step out of the way. He's coming this way. He's part of the skit. So he couldn't accept the crisis. He said, this has to be a skit. This can't be real. Unfortunately, the gunman walked towards him, raised his gun, shot him twice. He looks down, sees his own blood, and then he tells the ladies something that's even more shocking. And he said, oh, he's using paintball, so step out of the way. Oh so goodness. he's been shot twice, and he still cannot accept the crisis. Gets worse than that. He goes into the sanctuary, began to victimize more youth. It was reported multiple youth ran towards the gunman, waving their arms, yelling, shoot me, shoot me. Why? Because they wanted to be part of the skit too. They said, this can't be real. This has to be an illustration or a skit. Unfortunately, I can give you many, many examples like this incident after incident where normalcy bias takes place and people lose their lives as a result. Wow. You know, this is, uh, there was an article that just got put out and, and this person, conservative Christian said, you don't need to be a rocket scientist or a prophet to know that in the aftermath of Roe v. Wade, it's going to get very ugly. Well, if I understand right, you remember when they leaked out from the Supreme Court that Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned? I think there were 41 incidents of assaults and uh, vandalism on church properties and um, like pregnancy centers of which, unbeknownst to us on Sunday morning, the executive director was there. They're completely shut down at this point. Everything was fire gutted and the insurance is trying to do their, um, you know, uh, assessments and things like that. How do you overcome this thing, normalcy bias? Because after we talked about it, I went and read up and it says your, your brain can actually be your worst enemy if you aren't trained in this. Is it a complex thing to overcome? Well, many people will say, well, I'm going to respond based on my instincts. And, and that's part of your brain response. And, you know, untrained people react, but trained people respond. Mm. Our instincts are the enemy many times. Those things that I do instinctually or naturally are many times the wrong thing. We don't train to reinforce our instincts. We train to overcome our instincts. So that's the, just the fact that we're talking about it. People, your viewers tonight, just the fact we're talking about normalcy bias and, and they remember this conversation, it's going to allow them to overcome incidents where, God forbid, if they ever find themselves in, they'll be able to move on very quickly to the response phase. One of the things I want to point out, um, I'm so excited about the National Christian Protectors Conference. To our knowledge, 
you might be the only one of this nature, but it's August 25th and 26th at the Vineyard Church in Kansas City, Missouri. They've actually got a slide they can put up. General Jerry Boykin will be speaking, General Kurt Fuller, uh, Kamal Saleem, a dear friend of this ministry and us, uh, Baz Basel, uh, CIA Special Operations. You've got security experts, insurance specialists, because you know, it's a big deal with the church if they have security, which insurance companies. Tell us who should come to this conference and what they could expect to be a part of this. Well, of course, uh, we're very excited. This will be our third conference, that third annual conference. Uh, we've had every year it's grown exponentially. We expect that to happen again this year. Of course, if you're a professional protector, whether you're fire, EMS, military, or law enforcement, you're welcome to come. One of the questions I get asked frequently, uh, sometimes I feel like it's a bait question uh, that I get by email or, or a voicemail is, well, do you have to be Christian to come? No, uh, we, but we have something to tell you when you get there if you're not Christian, uh, because we got some great speakers that are gonna be there. You're gonna get some great training, tactical training. Uh, the, the protector, the civilian protector, the mother, the father, Sunday school teacher, we got something for you as well. Uh, you can come go through some lockdown training, come through some personal awareness and safety training. Uh, and then also these speakers, uh, one of the speakers you neglected was, was a person named Pastor Mark Cowart as well that's also going to be there, going to be a, a, a champion of the faith that's going to be there on Thursday night on the 25th, uh, going to be preaching a message on his upcoming book, The Army of God Rising, a book that changed my life, by the way, uh, during COVID when I was seeking uh, intimacy with God, I read that book and it really spoke to me and I know it'll speak to a lot of people. You know, it's exciting because that's a, it's a reissue and Harrison House picked it up and I don't know if you guys ever go through this, you walk off from speaking and you wonder, did anybody get anything out of that, you know, and I, and I was going through a little bit of that with that book because, you know, we were kind of run out and you, you called me and I remember that day you called and, uh, you were talking about how it impacted you, and it really Absolutely. encouraged me. But I did a little bit of an update because since that, there were some things the Lord had spoken. The content's the same, but the importance of it is we are living in what I believe is the last of the last days. Amen. The Lord gave me five very specific words and four very specific dates that are very, you know, critical to this time. And one of the things that I think is that we're seeing a separation occurring right now, a sifting, a refining and separation. And the very things the Lord spoke to me in that book, I'm seeing occur as we speak now. Um, something I want to mention is a couple of books that you've written. And there's two ways to get these books. One is called The Church Security Handbook, A Practical Biblical Guide for Protecting Your Congregation in Certain Times. The other is Active Threat, Workplace 911, and An Expert Guide to Preventing, Preparing for, and Prevailing Over Attacks at Work, School, and Church. Tell us what these books are about. Well, the, the Church Security Handbook is a uh, philosophical approach to how do you set up a, a safety and security ministry uh, in a way that doesn't compromise the core mission. The, what we, we define the core mission for any ministry is to provide an atmosphere of comfort, refuge, worship, and learning, and of course, sharing the gospel. So how do you accomplish safety and security without compromising the core mission? It would be easy for us to come in and turn you into a prison, but that's not what we want. If you do church security correct, your church should become a more friendly place, not a less friendly place. And we're talking about safety and security from the parking lot to the pulpit and, and dealing with everything from, from Band-Aids to bullets. Mm -hmm. So we cover all of that in this book. Uh, but the other book, we, the Active Threat Workplace 911 book is, is a book I co-wrote with my partner, Mark Warren, 
uh, great partner, great Christian brother, uh, been with me s since the beginning. We've, uh, and you probably find this hard to believe, we've never had a crossword between each other, me and my partner, so only God can do that. <laughs> but this particular book is, talks about active shooter incidents, no matter where you find yourself throughout the day, uh, how you can respond, what body language indicators to look for prior to the act of get beginning, and then how to respond if you find yourself in the mall, the fast food restaurant, the church, or your place of business uh, on, to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. Now, one thing I want to give a little secret here. Hold those up. So yeah, um, you yeah. can you can get these right now on Kindle, or you can go to Amazon and get hard copies. Now, Richard, I'm going to let a cat out of the bag. Uh -oh. <laughs> okay. So on August the first through the fifth, so on our daily broadcast, we just spent the day taping, uh -huh. uh, and we're going to be on Victorious Faith. So if you have Gospel Truth TV, you can log in or log in, yeah, and. Uh, our broadcast is 5.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. each day, and I'm offering these free on there. If you can't wait, just go ahead and download them and purchase them. But both of these will be free on the broadcast, and then I'm making available. We did a week of taping. It was so powerful, and we covered so many potent topics. Just really felt the presence of the Lord Amen. all over that. Um, and so um, one of the things I think, would you say these books help deal with the normalcy bias? We do discuss it in both books. Okay. And, uh, and then, of course, how to overcome it. Uh, Vaughn, do, do you think there are a lot of pastors out there today who think, oh, there's no way I'm going to have guns in my church? That seems unchristian, so to speak. How do you respond to that kind of a mentality? Well, when we first started teaching, we thought most of the objections we would get would be from the secular world. Uh, wow, was I wrong. Uh, in fact, we have a whole module in our leadership course on overcoming objections to protecting the flock, most of them from Christian leaders uh, with a different worldview. Not necessarily a biblical worldview, uh, but a, their own personal worldview that they tried to force some verses on, on onto that. Uh, one of the, we got several types of objections, the martyrdom objection. Well, you're preventing people from being a martyr for Christ. And uh, how I respond to that is, well, being a martyr and being a victim are two different things. Uh, being a martyr is personal obedience to God's will uh, on behalf of their faith. But being a victim, there's no aspect of personal choice. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole lot different than being a martyr. The second, uh, one of the other objections we've got is the vengeance is mine objection. Mm -hmm. And of course, Exodus 22 talks about the difference between protecting others and vengeance. Uh, I think it's verses 2 and 3. Mm -hmm. And then the pacifist objection. Well, Jesus was a pacifist, so we must be as, as well. Mm. Well, I disagree. I can give you instances where he was not. You can probably give me instances where he was. But my answer is we'll see if he's a pacifist when he comes back. Yeah. Uh, the pacifist is somebody who is opposed to violence. And, and I will argue with the pacifist and I'll say, listen, if you're opposed to violence, then it's logical that if you see violence taking place, you would do something to stop it. Right. So I guess if you look at the definition literally, I'm a pacifist because I'm different than the, the, the self-proclaimed pacifist, I'm willing to do something to stop it versus the person who says they're going to stop, step back and call 911. Part, part of the objections too, I think is a bit of a, maybe a contradiction, a little bit of a hypocritical response because some of those people say, well, we're not going to have guns uh, and armed security at our church because we're going to just trust God. Mm -hmm. Well, the question is, do you wear your seatbelt? Do you lock your doors at night? Do you have insurance on your car in your homes and property? And so, and another one would be healing. You know, some people think, 
sickness is the will of God. Well, if it's the will of God, why are right. you going to the doctor to try to get out of the will of God? If he's in that good a control, right. you just let him handle that. Right. And so I think there's a lot of contradictory terms there. But, you know, this thing, every time there is a national tragedy, the gun control issue comes up. Right. And then uh, politicians politicize it. I know most people have probably heard this quote, but if guns kill people, then pencils misspell words, cars make people drive drunk, and spoons make people fat. And so um, it's funny how the left has taken this and twisted that. But to date, I don't know of a gun that's ever jumped up off the shelf and shot anybody. Mm -hmm. And um, we know that the, the real answer to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And so, Vaughn, can you share some examples where churches, congregations, businesses, individuals trained and prepared and from what you could tell avoided tragedy and maybe the loss of life? Yeah, I'll give you two or three. Uh, one here locally, not too far from here, an hour away in Colorado Springs, New Life Church, 2008. We had three that were victimized in the parking, actually four that were victimized in the parking lot. Two of them lost their life. Uh, a, an attacker with an AK-47, 300 rounds of ammunition. Uh, but we had a trained security team on site, a female security officer, as soon as he made entry to the building to try to make it to where the crowd of people was. Uh, she was an armed responder, well-trained, and she stopped that threat immediately. She engaged him, wounded him, and what we see many of these people do, he then pulled himself into a side hallway and, and then self-inflicted and killed himself. Another example uh, of uh, uh, a, a missionary down in South Africa, Charles Van Wyck, has written a book on, uh, called Shooting Back, The Right and Duty of Self-Defense. Uh, he was in a, present in a church service, 1,500 people present, terrorist attack occurred. Three attackers with machine guns and hand grenades, and uh, they began to kill people, 11 people unfortunately lost their lives. He, all he had was a five-shot revolver. He chose to demonstrate that John 15, 13 love. Uh, Greater love hath no man, he's willing to lay down his life for another. Uh, he did not lose his life. He shot all five rounds at the attackers, and guess what those brave souls did? They ran away. Uh, they said, we weren't expecting people to fight back. So I can give you several examples. Uh, Bellevue Baptist Church, one of the largest Baptist churches in the country, a trained greeter that tried to greet a man on Easter Sunday morning that came in and asked her where the balcony was. He was carrying a backpack. Uh, she thought that was unusual. As he walked away, she saw his, his jacket come up. He had a firearm, a pistol. She told security. They went immediately went over and stopped him, asked to search his backpack, found an AR-15, a shortened AR-15 with 300 rounds of ammunition. You can imagine the carnage that would have caused if he'd have made it to the balcony. Mm, that's amazing. You know, and I want to remind everybody, um, we'd love to hear your questions. Yes. Uh, fire away because... Sometimes when you hear we're talking about church security or first responders, you think, well, that's when you call 911. But actually, it's who's closest and what have you. Um, what do you think, Vaughn, about this recent Roe v. Wade? And even before it was officially announced, I think there were 41 mm -hmm. incidents of assaults and uh, vandalism and firebombing right here up the road in Longmont. Colorado, have you been made aware? And what is your concern? Because you're an expert in this area. What are what are you foreseeing right ahead? Well, I think we're seeing an amplification of what Isaiah 5 talks about. And in the end times, those that call good evil and those that call evil good. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, right now we're seeing, uh, whether it's prosecutors, whether it's all kinds of non-for-profits, we're seeing people that say, uh, kill the innocent and protect the guilty. Mm. Uh, and uh, I mean, we're, uh, they're against the death penalty, but they're sure, sure will, willing to kill an innocent baby, mm. which just makes no sense to me. Uh, we're seeing an amplification of that. This pregnancy center that just got firebombed, doing nothing, but they don't even take a political stance, doing nothing but good for people. And because they're protecting the unborn and, and serving this female from further PTSD and all kinds of things that she guilt and all kinds of shame she could go through, uh, they're, they're being targeted. And churches are being targeted that take a pro-life stance, a same-sex marriage stance. Anybody who's standing for biblical truth right now is a target. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's something we need to be prepared for because I really believe that it's going to get worse. So can I ask a question? Do you think there's any higher risk for mega churches compared to small churches? No, uh, I don't. And in fact, mega churches many times have more resources to put a security ministry in place. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, but if you look statistically, these incidents occur in populations less than 10,000 people more than half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people do not go after necessarily uh, locations they feel are pe- people are prepared. They pick soft target locations. Many times, a, a very high percentage of the time, it's a, what they perceive as a gun-free zone. And uh, uh, for instance, uh, First Baptist Church settled in Springs, 50 people present in church, 46 of them ended up being killed or wounded, 20 killed, 26 wounded. And uh, the whole population of Sutherland Springs was 400. First Baptist Church of Maryville, where their pastor was assassinated on a Monday or a Sunday uh, service, uh, they had 1,200 in their church, but the whole community only had 7,500. So I'll give you instance after instance mm-hmm. where small uh, populations are being targeted because many times they don't have the resources the bigger ones do. One other thing I think you brought out, Vaughn, that I think is important. It's not just during services. Mm. And there was an incident where one church, it wasn't a very large community, had a food bank. And they had a gentleman that kind of knew how to work the system. So they said, hey, we want to help you. And so they gave him some work to do, some assignments. He didn't do that. So it finally got to the point where they didn't want to give him, tell us that story. Yeah, they wanted to give him counseling, asked that he attend church services in order to continue to receive benevolence. He did not do that, so they discontinued benevolence. He became very angry, refused to leave. Small church of 50 people they average on Sunday in a small community of two or 300 people, southeast Missouri. And uh, he refused to leave. They had to call the sheriff's department. They arrested him. As they're taking him out, he says, I'll be back. Four weeks later, he came back. Uh, you didn't hear about this incident because nobody was killed. And why was that? Because there was a hero that intervened that day. The suspect came in, made it into the sanctuary, raised the gun to shoot the pastor, and said, I told you I'd be back. A young man on the back row, 23 years old. Uh, the best way I would describe him is a, is a corn-fed young man, country, country boy. Uh, he was on his feet quickly, and he tackled this, this gunman. He was in a high school football team. And uh, the gunman, as he's going down, shot the ground, and then he tried to shoot the person tackling him, ended up putting two rounds into the ceiling. Some other people jumped in. They ended up disarming the gunman. But because he took action and somebody on scene took action, many lives were saved. So a lot of times the violence, it's not just during a church service. I didn't know this till we had dinner Saturday night. Creflo Dollar had you on his show. That was an incident that didn't get a lot of coverage, but it was a Tuesday morning prayer meeting. 25 people there. The worship leader was, you know, leading some worship. A former staff member 
He wasn't working for the church at the time. Walked in very calmly, walked up, shot and killed his worship leader. And uh, so it was somebody that the people knew. Speak to that because sometimes, you know, we talked about situational awareness. You also said women have a much better feel when something's not feeling right. And you also have a story to tell about your wife, how her gut instinct or whatever you want to call it probably saved her some very tragic situations. Yeah, we, we shouldn't plan just for services and special events. Statistically, 59% of these violent events at churches happen during the week. And uh, whether you're talking about a pastor in Fort Worth that was suffocated after a robbery with a trash bag and killed and his secretary was beaten almost to death, or a church custodian and a church secretary beaten almost to death in Anna, Illinois, just across state line from Cape Girardeau in a church when they interrupted a church burglary, or a 80-year-old female that was beaten to death with the cross on the altar when she came into church and interrupted a burglary. They're happening during the week. Tragic, tragic situations. But we need to learn to pay attention to that inner alarm inside of us. We call it that spidey sense. And uh, what happens is everybody has that God-given gift, but they ignore it or they rationalize it away, just similar to what we do with normalcy bias. But uh, just to illustrate this, uh, my wife is a disciple of, of what we teach. She applies what she has learned each and every day. She pulls into a parking lot uh, to uh, work out uh, like she does four or five times a week. And a, a gentleman, uh, she couldn't get out of her vehicle because the business wasn't open yet. Person walks around the edge of the building, a male walks towards her vehicle quickly, and he was staring at her. And before she, he had a chance to get to her vehicle, she simply put it in drove and drive and drove off. What ended up happening, she had confirmation that this was a bad guy. And how did she have that confirmation? Because he starts yelling and cussing at her because she messed up his plan. Had it not been for her sense of awareness and knowing that this is not normal and paying attention to that when that inner alarm and that spidey sense kicks off, uh, something bad could have happened in that situation. Didn't she find out later when she came back that there was something that happened? Yeah, 15 minutes later, she thought, maybe he's gone. I'm going to go back and try to work out. She pulls in, and another workout partner uh, has her van in there. And she put her window down for the guy. She made a mistake. Oh. And he's climbing in her car trying to force her to drive him somewhere. Who knows what was happening? Luckily, the owner of the business, a man came out and ran this guy off. But that could have been a really tragic incident. But you kind of see the two extremes there of the person that maybe had training and did the right thing versus the person, I'm not judging them, that just didn't know what to do, was empathetic towards this person and put their window down and, and really made themselves very vulnerable. So, Vaughn, uh, I, I think it's important for pastors to get this message. And uh, I'm wondering... You know, pastors are listening to you tonight, uh, or maybe leaders in churches are listening and they want to give this information to pastors. Um, maybe pastors who don't have security at their churches are wondering, what does this look like? Am I going to have guys walking around with, you know, exposed weapons and assault rifles and, you know, night vision goggles or something? What, what, what do you do? Because you said you want to make, you, you want to enable security, but allow the church to fulfill its main mission. So what does it actually look like? If you do church security properly, your church become the more friendly place. That's the bottom line. And how do, what does that look like? Well, when I'm training churches across the country, we've worked with over 1,500 ministries, we, and I train my own guys. 
I say, listen, we want you to have a greeter mindset. Yeah. Uh, you're wearing plain clothes, your weapon is concealed, you just happen to be a greeter with a gun. What we don't want you to do is be with your back against the wall, your arms crossed, looking like Guido the leg breaker. Uh, we want you to be an extension of the hospitality team. And again, just to amplify that core mission. This idea of awareness, we talk about it for safety and security, but let me give you another example of benefits of awareness. Uh, Sunday night service, gentleman came in late, sat down. I could tell he was restless, flushed face. And I became aware of something as I'm watching him. Not that he wasn't a threat. I realized he was not a threat. But I came aware he was hurting. And so I told the executive pastor, I said, make sure you get some face time with him before he leaves because he's hurting. Uh, 45 minutes after the service, the pastor's still sitting with him. His eyes are, he's just crying his eyes out. To come to find out, he was on his way home to commit suicide. He drove by the church, saw the lights on and decided to come as a last resort. Mm -hmm. Now you tell me how important awareness is if you miss that ministry opportunity mm -hmm. there. So there's a lot of other benefits to uh, teaching our people to be aware as well. Well, I wanna bring up the, the National Christian Protectors Conference because you had some powerful testimonies and I kind of feel this when we were doing the taping today that there are a lot of you, I believe in every church, there are everything that you need to do, everything God's called you to Amen. do is already there. So a pastor, which is who we really want to target on this, mm -hmm. um, to put that in place, a security team, I promise you there's going to be retired or currently serving law enforcement, military, special forces guys, EMTs, things like that. But um, at the National Christian Protectors Conference, Vaughn, you saw salvation. You saw someone was going to commit suicide, someone that decided they were going to go straight home and work on their marriage. So you said you don't have to be a Christian to be there. I want to encourage people to consider inviting your loved one or someone that you know, what have you, to come to this. But tell us about how it's for everyone and not just Christian folks. Absolutely. It's for anybody that's going through hurts, heartaches, and hangups. Uh, we're going to have some very, uh, you're going to hear the message spoken, and whatever the problem you have, you're going to hear the answer to that problem. That problem is Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and that may not be what you came to hear, but that's the answer when it, when it comes down to it. So uh, there's going to be a uh, there's going to be lives changed, just like there has been every, every, every other year, and we're excited about that. Well, if they could put the graphic up again, the, the lineup of people, General Jerry Boykin, General Kurt Fuller, Kamal Saleem, uh, uh Basil there. I mean, these, these guys, these are true men of God, and uh, there's going to be military and police and things like that. I can't think of a better place uh, to send people that have this same heart, because the fact when you've got military personnel, you've got law enforcement, that's speaking to me. They're a protector. They've got a protector's Amen. heart, yeah. and this is a place. But let's, let's see if we can land in on this, because I would really like to see this word get out to pastors. And so, Vaughn, a pastor has got everybody clamoring for his attention. You know, he thinks about what he's going to say. Who's it going to make mad? Who's it going to offend? Who's it going to make happy? Who's going to threaten to leave? And so, let's say a pastor doesn't know where to start. And what would your company be able to offer? How do y'all, because some people just say, I don't know where to start. 
Well, as far as what we could offer, you know, they know it's this is what they want to do. They just don't know how to get there. So what we're going to come and do, and we're going to come alongside them and give them that roadmap. Uh, we're going to assist them in identifying their goals and objectives of their ministry, whether that's uniformed or non-uniformed, pros and cons, pros and cons of armed versus unarmed. Uh, we're going to talk about insurance requirements, that sort of thing. But then we're also going to talk about how you select the right people for your ministry. Uh, don't matter what kind of policies and procedures in your place, but the most critical piece of that security ministry is selecting the right people that are there for the right reasons and uh, that they have the right characteristics that you're looking for. One of the most important of those is humility. Uh, that's what you're looking for, the absence of self. You're not looking for somebody that just wants to be on the security ministry because they want to wear that cool earpiece or because they want to carry a gun in church. So those are just a few of the things we can come alongside them, assist them with insurance, assist them with policies and procedures, and really get them down the road of a ministry. We really encourage you that you want a security ministry, not a security department. I've seen security departments in several churches. What happens is that's a silo. It's those guys' responsibility is safety and security. That shouldn't be the case. It's everyone's responsibility. So you're just one of many ministries within the church, and we're going to educate all of them on how they can participate and be involved in this idea of safety and security for everybody at church and amplify the core mission. And, you know, if I could speak to this, if this were to be heard by a pastor, I believe where God guides, he provides. Mm. And a lot of times a pastor may say, my goodness, we've, we've got our budget stretched so thin right now. But I will tell you, there will be people that are willing to give toward this. And the thing I appreciate about you, I've experienced it. Whoa, have we ever, uh, you know, we've got some sophisticated equipment, the laser training, that was a very expensive piece of equipment. And one of our members found out and said, well, how much is it? And it was a lot. <laughs> and he wrote a check right there for it. And, uh, you know, our, our head of security is a dear friend of yours, uh, Sherman Fuller, uh, Ranger, 2nd Battalion, Combat Vet, Command Sergeant Major. And we're blessed beyond measure to have him. Amen. So there is rigorous training. Uh, one thing we might want to cover uh, you know, I didn't have time to get the slide loaded in, but the debate always comes up when there's violence that guns are the problem. Yes. And the fact of it is the stats, very comprehensive data shows where there's an, an increase of gun ownership, uh, uh, crime and violence go down. But concealed weapons permits is a tremendous responsibility. Why don't you speak to that uh, about if a person makes a decision to get a concealed weapons permit or own a gun for their home, that's a very serious responsibility. And you've got two tragic uh, examples of what can happen when people aren't trained effectively. Yeah, and like you said, Pastor Mark, I would prefer to make decisions based on facts, not feelings. And when you talk about having guns in places crime goes down. The opposite of that is also true. Uh, you think about Chicago and Los Angeles and New York where gun control is very prevalent and, and very strict. You go to jail for a long time. Uh, there's crimes out of control in those areas. So that illustrates what you're talking about as far as when you make the decision to purchase a weapon to carry for yourself. That's a, that's a, a Second Amendment right, of course. I'm a huge Second Amendment supporter. However, it's a tremendous responsibility. Remember, you have the, the uh, ultimate responsibility where you can take lives Life from somebody else. So that means you need, you need to prepare in advance in a way uh, that represents excellence. And that means we're going to train. Uh, a couple of examples where that did not 
not take place was a church in Florida. What ended up happening in that ca particular case is we had two deacons that went into a Sunday school room that was empty. One of them wanted to show the other one his new gun. Well, when they got in there and pulled it out, the gun went off accidentally. The round went through the wall, hit a 21-year-old, happened to be the pastor's daughter, hit her in the head and killed her instantly. Mm -hmm. uh, he had to take a six-month sabbatical because of that needless tragic event. Mm -hmm. Another incident in Tennessee, they were having a meeting after First Baptist Church settled in Springs. How are we going to deal with the security to keep our church safe? One guy says, well, I know how I'm going to deal with it. And he pulls his gun out right there in the middle of everything. And his gun went off, shot his own wife in the leg. Yes. And uh, so I'm sure that counseling session afterwards was, was kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, and, and maybe he had to say, I promise it was an accident. That's it wasn't horrible. on purpose. Can you imagine? Yeah, so it's just a couple of real tragic events that can happen if we don't invest in training. We don't take this topic seriously. Yeah. You know, um, no, go ahead. Okay? Well, I, I wanted to ask kind of a broad cultural question right now. It, uh, crime is going up all over America. Here in Colorado, uh, it's just through the roof. I think I saw stats on a 40% increase in the murder rate here, um, uh, incredible rates of auto theft and other crimes. You, you've got a law enforcement background, security expert. What do you think is going on? What's causing this, and what do we need to do about it? Well, we're seeing degradation of, of, of morals in our society. Uh, the absence of fathers participating in their children's lives, uh, that's a big cause of it. Uh, whether we're talking about left-wing uh, left prosecutors that are refusing to prosecute violent crime, but they're also prosecuting people that are protecting themselves. We saw that just in New York, a bodega operator trying to protect himself from what was clearly this guy was trying to abuse him and this guy's wife actually stabbed him. He actually grabbed a box cutter that happened to be there, defended himself. He gets arrested the next day for murder uh, because this guy came behind the counter and tried to attack him. He sat down trying to de-escalate this situation, saying, sir, I'm, I don't want a problem. I don't want a problem. Tried everything he could. And those people are being prosecuted. So obviously when the criminals feel emboldened uh, in Los Angeles, the criminals are getting tattoos of the prosecutor's name on their forehead because they know that, that this prosecutor is going to be somewhere I can go out and I can victimize others because nobody's going to do anything about it. So when you embolden those that victimize others, uh, that are willing to victimize others, and then obviously that's going to amplify itself and it turns into almost an anarchist mindset uh, where they just feel like there's no accountability. People, the, the deterrence to crime is when they think somebody's going to stop it or they think there's going to be a punishment after that. When you remove that, both of those aspects, uh, then, then they're emboldened to commit many violent acts, and they have, especially when they don't have to post bail. Uh, they yeah. get let out without any bail in many of these cities, and uh, they may commit three or four very serious crimes before they ever see a judge. Wow. Well, we've, we've got some questions coming in. You want to take yeah, some of these? Let's Absolutely. Do that. All right. Here's one from um, Anthony on chat, and he's asking, some churches have people who conceal carry. What do you say to them uh, about what they should do during an event when an active shooter so they don't get in the way of the security team? So let's say you've got a church that does have a security team, but there's also members in the congregation that carry. Uh, what's your counsel to them? Well, first of all, if they're going to carry, we do uh, recommend they conceal carry, not open carry. Uh, there's real no, really no tactical advantage to open carry, and it creates anxiety for a lot of people. I would be uh, up, very upset if I knew my decision to open carry caused somebody else anxiety. Mm -hmm. The second part of that is they need to understand that, yeah, of course you, you have, a, you have a, it's your right to protect your own family, but if you choose to do something behind that, as, as soon as you draw that weapon out of its holster, you need to understand that action could be 
be perceived as you being the bad guy. Mm. We know friendly fire is never friendly. Oops. And uh, and it makes it really tough for the security team. They may end up, and we have seen instances of this where, where a, a person that hasn't earned that service actually ended up getting shot by either police or church security teams because it was a well-intended good guy with a gun, but because nobody really knew who they were, they assumed that they were part of the problem and, and uh, there to commit evil. And uh, as a result, they, they uh, ended up receiving friendly fire. Mm. So it's just something to consider. It's a personal choice, a personal decision, but you need to understand the ramifications of that decision. Again, training. A, right? a training. And, you know, whenever I become aware of somebody that's personal carrying in my, uh, uh, I introduce myself, I use it as an opportunity to recruit for the security team. <laughs> and we say, hey, listen, you, you obviously uh, have a skill set. We have a process where you can go fill out an application, go through an interview process, and, hey, let's, let's tur turn lemons into lemonade and, and see if we can't recruit, recruit that person for our security ministry. Mm. Well, Vaughn, uh, Jim here uh, on Facebook also is wondering if you provide any training for churches with regard to their children's ministry, so like preventing sexual predators and things like that. Yeah, we do provide in our leadership course, we talk about safety and security protocols in the nursery and Sunday school. And of course, part of that is the two adult rule, two screened adults background checked. And we also talk about uh, how we're going to check them in, make sure that the right parent that checks them in, checks them out and having a matching ID protocol. So we do talk about that. As far as the children's minister, we also educate and teach children's volunteers how to do a lockdown and what to do when lockdown mm. fails. They really need to know how to protect those, you know, those, those where young children and infants are at, those are what we call high risk, low mobility environments. So just telling everybody to run away isn't possible when you got several cribs with infants in them. And so we need to teach those folks how to lock down and, and prevent access and as, as, as well as having security personnel that can protect those folks. Well, uh, th this next question is mine. It's not coming from a viewer's Okay. You, if you look at the news media uh, in America, you, the, the common message that seems to be coming out is that conservatives or uh, domestic terrorists is the label they like to put on, on conservatives um, are the real uh, threat of violence in the country. But when I look at actually what's happening, what I see is, uh, you know, like radical abortion advocates bombing, firebombing clinics. I look at, you know, Marxist riots in 20 and 20, all the way up until the present time. I mean, burning down restaurants Antifa. and Antifa and all this other stuff. And, and uh, you know, I mean, Japan's prime minister, a conservative, just got assassinated. Mm -hmm. Is anybody connecting the dots there? You know, um, do you have any thoughts on that? Which, uh, on the ideological spectrum, where is the real, uh, where are the risks coming from? Well, uh, for I political talk, violence. Yeah, for political violence, uh, when we see Antifa, uh, you know, we uh, we actually did protection for news crews during four times during the St. Louis riots. We did the riots in Milwaukee, Charlotte, Chicago. And so we, we got a firsthand look at who was committing the violence. We actually figured out what hotel the Antifa folks were staying in. We'd go hang out, send somebody over there to go hang out and figure out what their plan was for that night. And so we knew what they were planning for that night. We saw many instigated riots by left-wing Antifa folks. And, and then after they'd set a fire, they'd run around a corner and change clothes so they couldn't be arrested later. The police were up uh, farther away uh, uh, shooting tear gas and on their skirmish lines while we were right in the middle of it. Fortunately, we were in plain clothes. They thought we were part of the news crew. 
they for the most part left, left us alone. Statistically, most of these are occurring. However, I will say there's some right-wing wackos out there too. There's extremists on both sides. Uh, we got to make sure that we, we, we keep our beliefs based in truth, which you've already talked about. And, and not uh, and the extremist is somebody who's willing to commit violence on behalf of what they ve they believe. There's a big difference between protecting others and violence when we're talking about malice, forethought, and intentionally hurting others. So, but the, the vast majority are coming from the left side. Yeah, it seems like that. Uh, also, some politicians are wanting to use labels to paint people as violent to advance their political agenda. Do you see that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when you can't win the argument, you got to put a label on it. Yeah. And, uh, and and again, it's feelings over facts. And we are, we're to ignore everything that happens on this side. Uh, we're seeing it now. I mean, judges are being run out of restaurants. Uh, their attempted assassination on a Supreme Court judge. And, and of course, it gets rationalized by saying, well, that's their right to protest. And, and uh, so I, I, I do have uh, some, some, some opinions on that. And uh, we want to ignore everything that's happening on one side. But anything on the other side, we want to amplify and, of course, even, even uh, fabricate what actually happened uh, if it comes from the right. Well, uh, one more question here from our viewers, if it's okay, Pastor. Uh, Lisa on chat uh, asks if you're aware of um, local police departments and sheriff's offices providing free training for businesses and churches on security. Yes, they do. Uh, many law enforcement agencies do provide that service. Uh, I will say most of the time it's an awareness course. Mm -hmm. it provides awareness that we think you as the church should put together a safety and security ministry. They come alongside you. They may provide a risk assessment on your facility. Their community interaction officer, that may be the, mostly that's where it stops though. As far as telling you how to put together that security ministry, that's a completely different ball game. Most of the time we don't see them providing that. They will provide the, many times the assessment and awareness course, but not how to. How important is it, one more, for a local church to have a good relationship with the police department? Oh, it's critical. It's critical that we have partners, all the stakeholders, uh, law enforcement, they need to know who to call if something happens at your church after hours. Uh, you, they also need to know if your church has an armed security ministry, if they got armed protectors that are coming, law enforcement, they need to know, hey, there's going to be some armed guys there. How, how are they going to be identified? And, uh, and there's some ways that, that we suggest on it, passively identifying our church security folks without putting them in uniform. That was the thing with Shield 616 that I think you're familiar with. And that was uh, Jake Skifstad as a good friend. And I think it was a wisdom of God. It bridged the gap because basically in equipping police officers with that armor that was far better than just standard issue, it connected prayer partners. And I thought that was the wisdom of God because of all the lawlessness. And, you know, in closing up, you know, we're in a time right now, you can't reason with evil. And that's why we started out when we did all the taping today. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, know this. And Rick Renner pointed out in the Greek, that's a command. You better know this. Amen. And the word perilous times, that Greek word was only used twice in the entire New Testament. Once when Paul was talking to Timothy. The other time when it talked about the two demoniacs that were exceeding fierce. And so we're in those times. You know, in 2019, the state of New York, I read in this article, uh, they make it legal to abort a baby right up to the moment of birth. They also deemed it is inhumane to declaw cats. How do you get to a place like that? You mm -hmm. can't wrap your mind because a lot of times Christians may think because we're doing good, you know, 
we could talk our way out of a, a bad situation. But Vaughn, I want to thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you all to uh, check into these two books, uh, the Church Security Handbook written by you, Vaughn Baker, and Active Threat Workplace 911. And uh, this is what to do if you get caught in a situation. There are many stories. This is a very simple read. Now, you can get both of these books right now on Amazon. You can download them on Kindle. But I'll give you a little secret and put a little pitch in here for Victorious Faith Broadcast. If you have Gospel Truth TV or just log in, August 1st through the 5th on the daily broadcast, I'm interviewing uh, Vaughn Baker. We covered a lot of territory. I think, I think we covered just about everything that a pastor or business owner may want to consider uh, in you know, their choice for security and things like that. And I know you, Vaughn, you're not needing business right now. You're running to keep up. I mean, we've been together since Saturday, and you've been having to respond to things. You know, every time a tragedy happens, you're your, your telephone blows up. One last thing that I want to point out is the National Christian Protectors Conference. Uh, I want to encourage you to consider being a part of that. There's really nothing like that. Uh, this conference, uh, General Jerry Boykin, a dear friend of this ministry, General Kurt Fuller, Kamal Saleem, uh, CIA operatives, there's going to be insurance specialists. This is really a powerful time, and it's for Christian or non-Christian, and when I was there, it was huge, and I just trust that the word gets out on this. And also, Richard, I think we want to thank CTN yes, because sir. they carry this broadcast and appreciate that so much. You know, guys, we're talking about some pretty <laughs> discouraging things, yeah. but I just want to say we need to lift up our heads because our redemption draws Amen. near. Amen. And we are seeing an onslaught of evil, but we're also seeing a great move of God. That's right. You know, last night, uh, Vaughn and I were at Mario Morello's tent crusade. It's the only event that I've been at that started 45 minutes early <laughs> because Mario said, when this tent fills up, we're going to get started. So I got there about, we got there about 5 o'clock. It starts at 6.30. 5.45, praise and worship kicks up. The 3,000 seat tent was packed out. Mm -hmm. People on the outside of the perimeter, and it was the largest altar call in the history of of his ministry. Oh my gosh. It I, I can't even tell you what it did. The entire front filled up. Hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds. The aisles. They've already ordered a six thousand seat yes. tent. And I'm telling you, there is a move of God on. The reason I bring that up is uh, there is a hunger. There were there were healings that were taking place. The atmosphere was just alive with expectancy. So be encouraged, but we want to also encourage you to be diligent. And if anything we've shared tonight, go to Stratagos International's website and inquire and get a hold of these books. This is a great start. And uh, thank you all for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you the, this next week at the same time. God will come through. Miracles are waiting for you, but not if you stay in the boat. It is vital for the church to be the salt of the earth and have the God-intended righteous influence on our culture and community. Faith doesn't give you the whole picture. God doesn't tell you every step along the way. He says, trust me. Is the finish line how much stuff you can accumulate before you die and leave it all behind? 
or is the finish line standing before God? We must rebuild the United States of America, this constitutional republic under God. The time is now. We cannot wait any longer. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net. 